Is there a desire in you to not just attend revival, but live in revival? Welcome to the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Saldivar. I've been in revival for the last 10 years, as well as traveling and being a part of many revivals throughout the United States. I'm going to be sharing with you how to live a radical lifestyle of revival on a daily basis. Um, I just want to really quick shout out everyone at Extreme Harvest Church. Yes. All watching. Um, I appreciate you guys. I love you guys. You guys are my family. And uh, shout out to to Pastor Brian and Pastor Kia, my in-laws. They are a huge support. And um, it's an honor to run with them. It's an honor to have them lead me. Um, so, uh, just a quick shout out to everyone out there. I want to shout them out too. Let me shout out extreme harvest, pastor Brian Ayala, incredible. I've gotten to minister with him a few times out in Texas and I'm telling you their church is amazing. They're standing for truth. And let me just say this Blake to you, the fact that your church, you know, finds out you're going to be on this podcast and they all meet up at the church to watch. It just speaks volume to how the church should be, the support the church should show. And that's really something the LGBTQ community is longing for. A lot of people in that community, they're longing for that sense of family, that sense of belonging that the church offers. And so I want to say shout out to Extreme Harvest Church who's watching this. And I just, I man, I love to hear that they're supporting you watching this broadcast as a church. I just think that goes such a long way. So we met in Texas. You begin to share your testimony with me, and I was just completely in awe of how God brought you out of that community, that you were a drag queen for a short time, which we'll show a picture later of, and then you've now been saved. You're now a pastor. You're a youth pastor, I believe. You're in full-time ministry. You went through ministry school. You just wrote a book a couple years ago that's on Amazon. I have it linked down below. So start us from the beginning. Your your upbringing, how this happened. Um, Go ahead, man. The floor is yours. Just share your testimony with us. Yeah. Um, so I, and it was super crazy cause I was actually watching your testimony, the one that you just posted recently. Um, and we have very similar upbringings. I grew up in Georgia. Um, my parents, I grew up in a Christian household. Um, that was the biggest thing is, you know, I, I had the good morals and kind of thing, but, um, the one thing that I always believe my upbringing lacked was true, like relationship, um, and true presence with, with Jesus and the father. Um, I grew up in a quite a big mega church, um, under a pretty, uh, well-known pastor. And so I feel, I, I felt really lost, um, because I, I didn't really like plug in. I didn't get connected anywhere. Um, and I just kind of felt like an, another number. Um, I, I honestly remember from a very early age, and, and this is, I know that there's tons of people that relate to this, like um, having a attraction to the same sex. Um, from an early age, my first sexual experience was with another guy. Um, I was actually wow. at the age of seven. Um, and it was kind of like given to, it was like presented to me as a game. <clears throat> and it's kind of, it's kind of like, crazy because I think it, other people probably may even relate to this, but I honestly didn't realize until I was in my late teen years and my early twenties that what actually happened to me was, was molestation. And then it wasn't like, okay. Um, and yeah, I just kind of was, I, I started hurt hearing other people's stories and the different things that, that happened to them. And I was like, <sighs> that's what happened to me. Like I, I didn't ever think that I was a victim of molestation or anything like that. So that was kind of like early on. Um, 
my parents, um, they're happily married. They're amazing. Um, my dad worked really hard to take care of us, to give us everything we wanted. Uh, he's an amazing provider. Um, but the one thing that I always lacked, um, was kind of like an emotional connection with him. Um, I think that has a lot to do with just his upbringing and, you know, just it, just this, um, a narrative of what a man should be. Um, and just kind of like the world's point of view of, of how a man should raise his, his son and, and, and all the, the kind of different things that go with that. Um, but I never was really like emotionally attached to my dad. Um, he worked a lot. So I was, I spent the majority of the time with my mom. Um, I always looked up to the female role models in the movies that I would watch. Um, I would like my favorite characters would be the female characters or the Disney princesses or, you know, something along those lines. Um, and I was related to them a lot more than I related to the guy characters. Um, and I remember honestly, from an early age, like I would like try on, on, like girl clothes and, and like, you know, try to, to see how that felt or if I felt different. And um, just throughout my upbringing, I, I knew that being gay or being attracted to a guy was wrong. Um, I remember a phrase used in my household once or twice. Um, and it was really, it was really harsh. Um, but I remember having a conversation um, about a singer that was on the American Idol at the time. And that singer happened to be one of my favorite. And I didn't know why I liked him, but he was just different. And I remember saying something about him and then my mom bringing up that he came out as gay. And immediately um, it was said that we don't talk about facts. Wow, uh, and that has nothing to do. Uh, is is really? I, I never wanted to um, come across or or like make that seem derogatory because it is a very derogatory um, phrase. Um, but the biggest thing is that that's kind of like this ugly southern. Um, upbringing that that people have um and so essentially in my head in that moment i immediately thought you know i i can't i can't talk about this um i i can't have this conversation with anybody and immediately i put it down i kept it inside and i didn't want to to talk about it i eventually uh, did come out. I never actually came out to my parents. Uh, I believe I came out to um, my brother and his, his, his wife. And I came out to a couple of my friends, um, but I didn't, I, I never actually, you know, came out because I was, I was scared. And even though I did eventually step into the drag world, I always kept my identity very like secret. I didn't want to people to know who I was underneath the, the drag makeup. Um, that's why there's not a lot of actual pictures of me in drag because I didn't really take a lot. I people to take pictures of me because I didn't want people to recognize me. I, I, I really wanted to keep it under wraps because, for, again, from a very early age, I just 
I felt like I couldn't talk about it. Um, and I believe that that's, that's a problem with a lot of people, you know, people who are in the LGBTQ community and people are trying to come out of it. They've all experienced that, like that scared moment of trying to come out of the closet and trying to, you know, come out to their parents or whatever, the family. And I, I and, and immediately, like, I went through the same thing, uh, and I and I it, it has a lot to a lot to do with you know their future and and how long and all that kind of stuff. But um, essentially, then I really kept myself uh, low key. I didn't. I actually didn't pursue any guys or anything like like that until after high school. I. I actually had a guy um, reach out to me while I was a senior in high school and tell me that he liked me. And I, I, I actually liked him back, but I wasn't sure how to, to go about that. And it was really scary because I felt like immediately if I decided to pursue this lifestyle that I would be shunned and people would hate me and I wouldn't have friends and all this kind of stuff. And I think that's one thing that I come across when people like, come at me for my story or try they don't like, well, you don't understand what we went through. You don't understand all the pressure there is. And, you know, you got out or whatever, but the reality is, is I went through all those emotions, just like everybody else that has come out in the LGBTQ community. I have been through the, I want to come out, but I don't want to, I've been through the, the bullying um, and all, all those, all those kind of things. So my story matches up with a lot of people. Um, but again, you know, in high school, I was bullied. I was scared that if I, I went with this guy and I, and I came out that he would tell everybody or, you know, because he would want to tell everybody and that kind of thing. So that was a, a really nerve wracking for me. Uh, I end up, did get in a relationship with him and we were in and out of relationship for about nine to 10 months. And in that time, it was just back and forth. I remember I was convinced I convinced myself that I loved him uh that I wanted to be with him that I I graduated high school and then I was planning like once he graduated high school I wanted to marry him um and it, it was it was just I I was so like clouded by the idea of love and what that might feel like and just the I guess the fantasy of, of it being so brand new, you know, I, I didn't, I really didn't get in a lot of relationships to begin with. So when I actually hopped into this relationship, there was a lot, of course, that comes with like every relationship. And so we were together, like again, nine or 10 months. And uh, I, we ended up breaking things off. It was really ugly. And I immediately like, went into this depression. I started doing a lot of drugs, um, smoked a lot of weed. I did at that point, I, I didn't really feel like I had friends. I just graduated high school and all of my friends moved off to college or they did like their own thing. So I didn't have a lot of friends and I started looking for friends through drugs, alcohol. Um, I jumped into cocaine and I was pretty like solid just doing that. And then one day I remembered that I was in a production and when I was in that production and the character I played, 
I immediately remembered how much validation and how much love I got from being in that production because I was a big theater kid. I was in theater. And for our senior production, we did um, Hairspray and I got cast as the mom. And I was so excited. That was the role I wanted. And I remembered, you know, putting on all that makeup and putting on like all of the, the body pieces and the dresses and the wigs and all that kind of stuff. And after the show, people saying like, oh my gosh, you were amazing. Um, I thought you were a real woman. Like, that's so crazy, you know, and, and, and giving me all this validation and giving me all this acceptance that I had been wanting for so long. And so immediately it piqued my interest. And after I broke up with my ex-boyfriend, I was looking for something else to fill the void. And so I discovered this person inside um, that I wanted to let out. And so then I started like playing around again with makeup and playing around with wigs. And I was a costume designer in theater. So all this kind of stuff like came supernatural to me. And I decided immediately, like, this is what I want to do. I feel like so uh, good when I do this. And so then I began to kind of coincide my drug use and, and then this new found person that I had find, I, I, I discovered. Wow. And I started like showing up to bars and, and presenting myself. And uh, I did a, a few performances and it felt so good to find a picture up as you're talking real quick over that. Go ahead. Um, yeah, so there's a picture up now about, it felt good to be liked. It felt good to be accepted. Again, like my entire, since elementary school and on, I'd been bullied. Um, I didn't have a lot of friends and the friends I did have, I didn't really ever tell them who I was. I remember when I actually wrote my book and I released it, the couple of friends I do still have from high school, they were like, we didn't even know you went through all this. We had no idea that you were a drag queen because again, like I didn't really tell a lot of people I was so scared of rejection. I was so scared of, of how people felt. And I think that's, it just plays over into the Christian community as well. Like people are so scared of rejection. They're so scared of the religion and the, the looks and the, the, all the things that come with being in a church. Mm. It, people are scared of it. And, and they just spent all these years, you know, like, living this scared lifestyle then they come out of the closet they finally feel free and now the church is saying like well you can't be gay and then they immediately like throw up this wall because they're like whoa i just got freedom like you can't you can't take this from me um and so it it, it plays a, a huge role into the overall ministry of of the lgbtq community but uh fast forward I realized one day I, I was kind of getting tired of having to put on my makeup. I was trying, I was tired of having to put on a wig and costume and a bodysuit and all these things to get validation from men, from getting validation from people. Um, uh, like a, as a person, uh, like I'm completely honest like I was desperate like I was I was desperate for attention I was desperate for someone to like me um I was I was desperate for this natural like god-given yearn in little boys to want a father or want to like love on them and I I, and I, I wanted that and I actually 
I heard another minister say this one time that, that he finally realized that it is completely natural for a boy to want love from a man, to, to have that man guide him, to have that man train him up, to have that. It, it's, it's something that the, the Lord gave us. Um, the, the disciples were super close to Jesus. Um, John, it even says that John like laid his, his head on Jesus's chest. Like he, he rested there sometimes and, and he was like genuinely close to Jesus. And we have created in, in this world, this macho, like masculinity that, you know, you can't, you can't like be weak and you can't like show you have feelings and you have to be this man and all this kind of, all this kind of like craziness. So like young boys and, and teenagers are not getting the love from the father that they need, whether they have a father present or where they don't have a father present. And it, it plays like the hugest role in, in that, that storyline. Um, I can't, I can't tell you how many people I've come across with that very similar story. Mm. I, I was just getting tired of having to do all of these things and, and, jump through all these hoops for people to love me and, and to like me Come on. And about the same time. I, we would spend like super late nights um, doing drugs and drinking and smoking. And I remember one night we had already gone through eight, two eight balls of cocaine and there's about four of us hanging out and we were all like, let's go get another eight ball. Like, let's see how much we can handle. Like, let's do it more. And um, so we went and bought some more and we, we brought it back to our, the house. And um, I, I remember we all were, we all had, had, had done a few lines of it. And I remember looking, we were in the car and we were about to go to McDonald's or something along those lines. And all of a sudden, my friend, he just starts getting a nosebleed. And then immediately, he started, like, throwing up. And, I, like, honestly, it was so crazy because we couldn't tell if, like, the blood was coming from his nose or if it was throwing up. And, and he was the one that had done the most out of all of us of the cocaine that night. And I remember being so scared. And I looked in the mirror. And I, I immediately, because I was raised in a Christian household, I was like, okay, Lord, like, I... I need you to make him okay. I, I can't, I need you to make me okay. Um, because I got, I got terrified that like we were overdosing and I, I was terrified that I was watching him overdose right then and there on cocaine and everything kind of like settled, you know, everything, everybody was fine at the end of the night. And, and we kind of like, we all kind of like looked at each other and we're like, we need to like chill out. We need to stop this. But in my head, I was like, I need to get out of here. Um, so immediately I started looking for ways out. Um, and my very first way out of looking was I went down to Orlando and I auditioned at, um, a popular theme park and I got, I got a role. I got a role. Um, I was supposed to play Kristoff from Frozen, um, and I was gonna be in a in like the shows and, and that kind of thing. And 
I was getting ready. I was like, this is my way out. Like, I, I'm going to go do my dream job, like be an actor and do all this kind of stuff. I'm going to work at, at the theme park. And I'm super excited for that. Like, that was what basically my dream, especially being a theater kid. And I was like, this is my, I can get clean. And, and I started actually looking into Christian colleges um, in Central Florida because I was thinking, okay, like, I need to go to a Christian college so that way I can kind of get myself together and get wow. rid of the, rid of the alcohol and kind of get focused. Um, because by then at that time, I remember when I came out to my brother and his wife and we were having an argument via text message. I remember typing the words like, you guys are just going to have to understand that I'm a liberal Christian. <laughs> and it was like real, like I, I was super... I was super deceived. I was very convinced wow. the thing that people don't understand is that it's your mindset. Like people, just like anyone is attracted to a woman, like the people are attracted to the same sex. And so it just doesn't make sense to them on how like they can just let go mm. of old like lifestyle home. Like it's not just something you can just like, Oh, I'm quitting cold Turkey and I'm fine. You know, it, it's not just something super easy to just drop down. You don't see a drug addict just all of a sudden, like, I mean, definitely I've seen some people that all of a sudden just like the Lord provides and he, he is, they've dropped called Turkey. Amen. Um, but that didn't happen for me. And I wasn't able to just drop dudes like that. Like I, I wasn't able to, to just do that. Um, so I convinced myself that I was just going to be a gay Christian and it was just going to like be okay. Like it, that, like, obviously like God put this desire in my heart, like he put it in my mind, I was created with it and that's how it's going to be. So as I was looking for Christian colleges, like, I, again, I was looking for like a Christian based college. I wasn't looking for a ministry school of any type. Um, I actually had a cousin who was going to the Ram School of Ministry in Hamilton, Alabama. And my mom was like, she knew something was up. She knew that the last few months, like I had not been okay because it was probably about a, like a four month period that I really spiraled. And that was when my drug use, I had broken up with my boyfriend, my drug use spiraled, my alcohol use spiraled. Um, I was starting to sell um, illegal drugs. I was trying to get away with a lot. And she knew that there was something up, but she just didn't fully know. Um, I was really good at hiding it. I was really good at lying and I was really good at getting away with a lot. And so my people are like, well, how did your mom just not know? But I was, re I was really good at lying. Um, and so she knew something's up. She was like, well, what about if you go to ministry school in Hamilton, Alabama? And I was like, okay, mom, that's in bum freak America. Like I just got a job in Orlando, Florida. I'm not going all the way to Hamilton, Alabama to go to some school, I actually started looking up the, the pastor, the, the head pastor at the time, who was Casey Doss. Um, I was looking at like different videos from the ramp. And I remember like watching some of the, the um, conference videos and like, he was like yelling and like yelling and, and preaching. <laughs> and, I, and I literally, like, I do not need a preacher yelling at me. That's so like, like what why are they doing that like that's that's not god that's not jesus and then i remember my mom like kind of giving me details about the school and that like every morning at 8 a.m they had prayer and i was like i don't need to go to 8 a.m prayer like i was like that's dumb i'll pray whenever i want to pray like you 
you can't tell me my relationship with Jesus. Like I was very, I had a lot, a lot, I had a lot of preconceived ideas. Um, and so long story short, my mom eventually convinced me like, why don't you just go check it out? If you hate it in November, when you come back from Thanksgiving break, like, no, no, like there's no strings attached and you can just leave and you can come back home. But I think you should go. And so finally I was like, okay, I'll go. Like I'll do this. So I went down to, I actually went a few days early because we needed to move on my stuff. Um, I went to kind of like their orientation where like you go and you get all your information and my mom, like we got to the end and that was where you like paid for your schooling and you could like choose different packages, whatever. And I, I remember seeing my mom like writing a check for the full amount of the tuition and like handing it to them. And I was kind of like, I was like, that was a waste of money. Like she literally just wasted all of that money on a school that I'm not even going to stay in. And so then fast forward, um, it was Wednesday night. It was just a normal church service. It was just ramped church there. There wasn't a lot of students there yet because I, again, I got in there like a couple of days early and I was kind of nervous because I'd never really been in a church setting like that before. And, um, you know, the, the ramp is a huge ministry, but their church is, is like probably like 200 people. Like it's, it's a, a small community. And so it's very intimate. And I was kind of like, everybody's looking at me and, um, that's one thing I point out is, is I, I used to like, I dressed super feminine. I didn't dress like a girl, but I would wear like super long plaid bun up shirts with like these long, um, like open neck tank tops and skinny jeans. And, and even honestly, to the point where like the way I worshiped was super feminine, just because of the way I carried myself and, and everything that I'd been through, I was used to walking in heels. So I was used to walking super feminine. Um, and so I remember like standing in the altar and, and everybody started like, I remember the worship leader at the time was Catherine Mullins and she was like invited everyone down to the altar and everybody was kind of like already there. Like, I, like everybody was already waiting in the altar for worship to start. And I, so I just kind of joined them and I was kind of like, I don't know. And I had my cousin there, but I was kind of like, felt really awkward. Like it was just, it was, I felt out of place and I felt like everybody was looking at me. And um, I remember she, she started worship and everybody just started jumping and dancing. And, and if any of you have ever seen Catherine Mullins, like she is a fireball, like in, on the worship platform, like I, I don't know how she does it. But she was jumping around and everything, and I was kind of like, like, how, like, why are they like this? Like, why are they jumping around? Why are they worshiping like this? Like, why is everybody not in their seats, like, standing in the aisles? Like, this is confusing. So I just kind of, after a while, like, let myself go, and I just started going with it. I just started worshiping just like everybody else, and I was, I closed my eyes, so that way, like, I didn't have to think about people looking at me or the cameras looking at me or anything like that. And she kind of like got to a slow part. And I remember her, it's super funny because I didn't even realize she said this until, until like two years after I'd been saved. She stopped the song at the bridge and she said, there are people in this room that you have no idea what's behind your yes. And that's something Ms. Karen says all the time. Um, 
she would always say, like, you never know what's behind your yes. But Catherine would said, you, there are people in this room that you don't know what's behind your yes. And literally the fact that you came here tonight, God is setting you up for a destiny that you have no idea what's in Come store on. for And we were going into this song called Almighty Ones. And the, the bridge is when I move my body, when I move my feet, when I open my mouth, the darkness has to flee. So she said, when I go into this bridge and I sing these lyrics, I want you to worship with everything you have. When you move your body, when you move your feet, when you open your mouth, the darkness has to flee. And so literally she just released that. And and, and I remember she even said something about like, if you could just pull back the curtain just for a moment to see what God has in store for you, you would be in awe. And I didn't even catch any of that, like during that service. And so, but I, I, whatever, whatever I felt like I was like, okay, let's go. And so we were just dancing, we were worshiping. And then the the last song, I just, I broke down crying because I felt this presence of Jesus that I felt before. I, I honestly had never felt a tangible presence of Jesus. Like I, I literally felt like someone was just behind me, like holding me like this. And I remember just like holding my hands like this. And, and I, I was just bawling because I was like, what, what is this? And I remember like that night, I, I gave everything to the Lord and I said, Lord, like I'm giving you the drugs. I'm giving you the alcohol. Like, I don't want this. I, I want you. And, and I let go of all of that. But the one thing I didn't let go of was my homosexuality. Mm. And I, and so fast forward, I was going through my first year of ministry school. I was still like basically sleeping around. I was trying to manage because honestly, I was there to prove that you can be gay and Christian. Wow. And I had this kind of like prideful, like preconceived idea of what I was going to get out of it. And I was going to prove all these like stupid Christians wrong that you could be gay Christian. And I began to start like learning who God was. And I immediately jumped in and got like the Lord, like blessed me with a prophetic gifting that I it, like scared me um, because I was able to like read people's mail and call things out. And, and I had never been in a prophetic culture before. I didn't really even know what like prophecy was or like what the prophetic was or giving words of knowledge or words of wisdom or anything like that. Um, and I honestly had no Bible basis of what that was and what was happening. And so once that all kind of explained to me, I was like, see, like I hear from the Lord. Like the other night I called my roommates porn addiction out, like, and nobody knew, see, I can be gay and Christian. And, um, and I sat in that for a few months because I was like, see, like I'm proving them wrong. Like I can be gay and Christian. I'm a prophet. Like the Lord's giving me this prophetic gifting. Like why would he give someone that is in full, like blatant sin, a prophetic gifting. And I remember I started the, that was, that's like what the one big thing that was like really put on us is like, you guys, you're not going to make it. If you don't have a relationship with the Lord, like you have to have an intimate relationship with the Lord daily encounters. You gotta, you have to pursue that because God's not going to force you. He's a father. And in that way, and he wants you to want him, um, mm. and so I just, you know, I was, I was having my daily encounter. I started trying to get my prayer life together and, and, and all that. And one day, and now at that point, like I was the Christian that was kind of like, I'm just going to open up my Bible and wherever it falls. That's yeah. cool. And, um, 
so I opened up my Bible one day and I literally came across the scripture that says one day all these men are going to come to Jesus and say, Lord, Lord, we've cast out demons in your name, mm. prophesied in your name. We've worked in all this stuff in your name. And he's going to say, flee from me. You work as a iniquity. I never knew you. And honestly, that like hit so hard in me because I, I felt like the fear of the Lord just like rest in the room. And it scared me because I was like, maybe I've been working in his gifts and I never actually knew Jesus. Wow. And so then fast forward, like a couple months later, we were at a winter conference for the ministry and we were in um, Tennessee because it, it was a huge conference and we, the, the ministry ran out that building and there was like large name ministers because I was actually like my servant area was like the partners and the guests. So I was like, see, like I'm fine because like the Lord has me like serving all these like cool main ministers and all this stuff. And um, I remember like, I was just kind of sitting down in service for a moment and I started hearing the pastor um, start preaching and he started mentioning homosexuality. And honestly, like to this day, I can't even remember what he said, but I remember in that moment, it like pierced me so much that I was like, okay, Lord, like I only want you. I only want you. And no matter what it is, no matter what, it, what happens, I want you. But if I absolutely hate this and you're not all that you say you are, and you're not going to bring me freedom and you're not going to do all these things that you promised, I'm going to go back. Mm. So I, I kind of like made this deal with God that I was like, I, if I hate this, if I hate like the life that you're trying to give me, like, I'm going to go back. So fast forward, like six years later, I've never gone back. Come on. <laughs> but so that was kind of like the beginning of my transition. I spent that, I honestly, like I tell people, I wasted a whole year being stubborn and prideful um, because, and I could have transitioned a lot sooner, but I definitely believe like the Lord has perfect timing for everything. Um, but that was really when I began the transition out of the LGBTQ community because I finally did it. I had this want, even though I knew what I like was attracted to and I desired, I had this want for what God wanted. Mm. And I just continued to pursue that. And then going into my second year, um, I actually met this girl, um, one of my friends who we were really, we were actually like both really close with one of my friends. She was like, Oh my gosh, you have to meet this girl. And she's so cool. She's so fun. Um, she wants to be a, a sign language interpreter for um, a church. And like, that's what she wants to be. Her ministry, all this, great, all this stuff. And, and I was like, oh, okay, cool. And so she introduced me to this girl and we really didn't even click. Like I was kind of like, that girl is so weird. Like uh, we had like a couple conversations and then she like disappeared. She's like, okay, you gotta go. Bye. And I was kind of like, um, and then that same girl, we ended up working together at Olive Garden in Mississippi, because where you live in, in Alabama, you can either work in Taco Bell or Walmart. That's yeah. my other things now since I haven't lived there. But um, at the time, like there was very like minor choices of where you could go, what you could do, where you could work. So we would drive to Mississippi um, to go to work. And 
So I ended up starting to carpool with a couple of friends, including her, and we learned that we had the exact same testimony, um, that she was a pastor's daughter from San Antonio, Texas, that right before she um, came to the ranch, she was engaged to a woman, and and she like smoked, she drank, and she was a partier, and and we immediately clicked after that, like we were best friends, and I was kind of like, this is my best friend. Like she understands me completely. And so we were just best friends. We were, you know, hanging out all the time. And, and I, I found someone that I could like talk to about where I was at and my emotions and how I felt, because that's the biggest thing is, is I felt super alone. Um, I felt super alone because although I felt like the Lord had this amazing purpose for me, I, I was like, how am I ever going to make friends? Like, how can I, like, because at the time I felt like every time I opened my mouth or told my testimony, people started treating me different, especially guys Mm. who would treat me some type of way. And I was kind of like, and so it was really hard for me to make friends, even in the church, even in ministry school. And thankfully, the Lord like sent me a, a couple of like really true brothers that that really stuck with me forever. But um, I had a lot of a lot of a lot of reasons to be nervous and scared. And and this girl like kind of just accepted me. Like she was like, "Man, like your story and my story that's amazing. Like we're the same. Like we have the same story." And so we just immediately clicked. Um, and fast forward, eventually she was kind of like, Hey, I like you. Like, do you like me back? And I liked her for a while, but I actually thought she was like 28. And I, at the time I was like 21. I was like, this girl probably thinks I'm a kid. Like I'm only going to be friends. Um, come to find out like she's only a year older than I am, but we started dating and, I was really nervous because I was kind of like, I never liked a girl. And before we kind of like talked about our feelings and if we liked each other or not, I remember being in the car um, with a couple of our friends and we were driving back from, from uh, Olive Garden. And we would just do these things where we would turn worship music on. And I was like, let's just hear from the Lord and like, have, like see what he's saying. And let's just like have a little like prophetic night on the way home. Cause it's about a 45 minute drive. And so we were just listening. And I remember like looking in the middle of the song, like she was crying and I looked over at her and the thought like came into my head, like I could do this with her forever. Mm. And then immediately, like I freaked out because I was like, do I like a girl? Like, is this what's happening right now? Like I like a girl. Wow. And, and so then when she was like, Hey, I kind of like you, I was like, yes. Um, and she ended up becoming my wife and she's my my ministry partner and we have a beautiful baby together come on Um, but it it wasn't always like flowers and 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 just easygoing like it it wasn't just fields and and just music and all the stuff like there was a lot that that i went through there was a lot of things that i I honestly, if I hadn't gone through them, I wouldn't be here today. Come on. Um, but it, it is a journey and it, it is something that like people really, I, I say this all the time, like you really have to fall in love with Jesus or else it's literally just like you just doing a bunch of works. Mm. It's that like you literally have to fall in love with him 
to really see where this freedom comes from. So good. So powerful, man. Your testimony from being a drag queen to now you're a youth pastor in Texas. You're married, you have a child and hopefully more children on the way. But man, I love the way you're talking about how all of a sudden you had feelings for her. God just transformed your life, changed your life. And something I've seen, I ministered in San Francisco once a month for about eight years. And so I dealt with a lot of people that were living a gay lifestyle, you know, transgender drag queens, the whole deal. And there was always this debate of, well, how could I change? I want to change, but I don't know how to change. And for me, I've seen one, they would always say I was born this way. And I would always respond with, you won't be born again that way. For some reason, I want to make this clear to everybody watching. There's 4,000 people on here. I want to make something clear. For some reason in the church, this is something we need to change. We treat homosexuals as if they're like some subhuman people, like they're not human. As opposed to, we need to treat them like every other sinner, that God loves you, God wants to change you. Like, you don't have a drunk person come and say, oh, you're an alcoholic, we're gonna cast you out of the church, we're gonna ostracize you, and we're gonna not love you anymore because you're an alcoholic. What do we do? We help them, let's get you delivered, let's get you free, let's see God transform you so that you can become the Christian God wants you to be. And so I got this revelation, like for some reason we point out does the drug addict go to hell? Yes. Does the homosexual go to hell? Yes. Does the liar go to hell? Yes. Does the thief go to hell? Yes. Does the fornicator go to hell? Yes. All, all, every single one of those have fallen short of the glory of God and deserve an eternal punishment called hell. And Christ comes and says, I'm going to take action and die for every single one of you equally so that you can be saved. And so this whole idea that we treat the LGBTQ community like there's some terrible, evil people that could never be saved is not biblical. Jesus ate with sinners not to be like them, not to party with them, not to validate their lifestyle, but to change them, to preach repentance to them. And so for me, I've always treated those that are living that lifestyle the same way I've treated those that are addicted to alcohol, the same way I've treated those that are constantly lying or fornicating is you must be born again. And so those that are watching, which by the way, there's been many in the chat as you've been talking that are from that community that are living the lifestyle you've come out of, God loves you. God wants to deliver you. And the fact that we're not offering deliverance and talking about these and doing what we're doing tonight is a catastrophe because they're stuck in this lifestyle saying, I want out. And we're, and we're saying this, God can deliver everybody else but you. I mean, think about that. God can save everybody else but you. And the, and the answer is God wants to deliver you. God wants to save you. And the same way God want, broke my porn addiction, God wants to break your, your lust and your perversion and your confusion. The same way God delivered me from drinking every day, the same way God delivered you from drugs, God can deliver those watching. I remember in our church, I would preach and there was this girl that would sit behind me, second row, right? I'm in the front row, I'm the preacher. And, it, and week after week, I'd preach. And then months had gone by and my sister said, you know that girl that sits behind you? is a lesbian. Did you know that? I said, no way. Cause you know, she'd shout me down. I would never preach on, you know, if you're a homosexual, you're going to hell. I never, I didn't mention it because it's like every other sin. God wants to free you, deliver you. You could be born again. Maybe you say you were born that way, but you're not going to be born again that way. And anyways, months after months, she was in our revival. She came to us and said, I've been here for three, four months. You've never condemned me. You've never judged me. You preach the same bold, passionate message you've always preached. And God told me, God told me I was wrong. I need to change and I want to get delivered. And she did get delivered. Real unclean spirits came out of her and her desires changed. And I saw this over and over and over. And man, the one thing I saw 99% of the time, this is my personal experience, is 
molested, you know, raped, sexually abused as a child. In fact, I was just at a church a month ago telling the pastors about this. You know, we've seen a lot of homosexuals get free, get delivered, get born again. God changed them. They're now married. They're now in relationships. And I told the pastors there, when I've dealt with these, these deliverances, 99% is I was abused sexually. Literally, dude, a few hours later, they come to me and say, hey, there's this guy that wants to talk to you. I start talking to this guy. He says, hey, I'm living a homosexual lifestyle and I've been watching your videos online and my pastor told me I go to this church that basically says you can live however you want and the grace of God will cover you and so basically he told me I'm convinced I could be a homosexual and still go to heaven and be fine but I heard your preachings and it seems like you don't believe that and I told him that's absolutely false I said the same way you can't be fornicating and inherit the kingdom the same way you can't be a liar and inherit the kingdom the same way you can't be uh, you know drinking every day and a drunk and inherit the kingdom you can not live that lifestyle and inherit the kingdom the devils lied to you the pastors lied to you and i started breaking down in scripture this is what the bible says romans talks about this you know jesus talked about this and i started breaking down scripture and i started praying for him i said man god can deliver you but the problem is we're not offering that to homosexuals we're not offering that to the lgbtq community giving them an opportunity to say there's a way out of this lifestyle. There's a better life that God has for you, that God's designed for you. And I think it's crucial that we show them the way out. I think, you know, we're not telling them you can be born again. And I don't go up to them and say, oh, you have a demon, you need to get delivered. I'm like, no, you can be born again. And then some of them come to me and say, hey, I have a spirit there that I want to get free from. And another thing I've seen is guys right now dealing with it because they're watching, you know, pornography and they're opening that door to that spirit of perversion. And if you guys don't know in the chat, those of you watching, perversion means the wrong version that's what literally perversion means so when you open yourself up to that spirit of perversion that spirit causes you to have desires for whether it's men with men women with women other areas it perverts things and so a lot of people are getting the spirit from trauma from sexual abuse from pornography and I have guys all the time coming to me saying I don't know what it is but all of a sudden I'm liking guys and I'm, I'm having desires and I don't know how to get rid of this and these are married guys sometimes and I'm like hey it's because you've been watching pornography you've let in that spirit of perversion and now that spirit doesn't say you know oh I'm gonna because you're married I'm not gonna mess with you that spirit comes in and so I believe tonight that spirit of perversion many are gonna get delivered from that many are gonna get healed from that those that have went through trauma like Blake has gone through you know growing up with that trauma you're gonna get healed from that trauma God's gonna restore you and God's gonna change you the same way my desires were every girl I looked at was like a piece of meat or I was addicted to alcohol and God comes and changes our desires man it's like Blake I always think are we do we think as pastors God can't change desires of homosexuals God can't make you go from you know you feel like you're you're born this way and now you're born again and God says now you're, you're gonna like women God could do that and there's power and we're hurting the whole the LGBTQ community if we're not preaching the delivering power of God right if we're not telling them you can be born again you can be restored you can be healed now maybe the process won't be you get delivered of a spirit maybe God will regenerate your mind maybe God will restore you maybe God will transform you maybe you'll be born again and there won't be deliverance but for others many do need to get delivered many do need freedom just like there's lots of pastors that need deliverance there's lots lots of worship leaders that need deliverance a lot of the people in the church have demons and don't realize it but i've seen from personal experience men so many in this lifestyle get delivered from real unclean spirits this is what jesus dealt with when he came this is something i'm seeing and so i think it's sad because we tell people you know don't be gay anymore just come to church and fight your temptations your whole life 
but why are we not saying there's freedom for you? Like, why are we telling people just battle? And, and Blake, this is something you dealt with, right? You thought I'm just going to be a gay Christian my whole life and everything's going to be fine. Talk about that a little bit because there's a lot watching this that are fighting that saying, man, I don't, you can't just tell somebody don't like men. You can't just tell somebody stop liking them. There's, there's a real bondage and strongholds that need to be broken um, so that they can change, right? Yeah, I think, and and honestly, this is something the Lord like gave me a revelation about, and um, it's something I talk about in my book. That first, honestly, that first step and that mindset change is it's not a gay straight like journey. It's a from broken to whole journey, mm-hmm. and the moment stand that the moment like because if you're if you're chasing straightness, then you're not chasing what the father has for you because the biggest thing is is like what i what i tell people is like they're like well god hasn't made me straight i'm like god's not going to replace one lust pattern with another come on he's not one sin and give you another sin so that way you can be still broken still bound still like struggling still broke bound to those chains like he's not gonna be like okay you don't want to be gay anymore i'll take that but here's just like heterosexual lust just like everybody else and um, when I got that, that was honestly a huge like breaking point, a huge like freedom moment for me because I was just trying to, I was waiting on the day that I could walk into a room and just like lust over a girl mm-hmm. like that. And I was really set in, in what I was like, who I was when I, when I went there, I was like, I'm not. I'm going to be gay Christian. Like, obviously it's going to be a thing. And I remember like when I had to choose like where I was going to live and everything. And there was an option to be like put in a house with like 20 other guys, or there was a house that had five guys and there was one like space left. And I was like, I don't want to live with boys though. Like they're gross. Like they stink and they're messy and all this stuff. Like I can't just like, live by myself. And honestly, like that, that was coming from the Lord because I had to begin to like learn how to like look at guys and have healthy relationships and looking at them as brothers as brothers and not as pieces of meat. Like mm. you were like, um, and it's, it's like a, that again, like that, that's why people are super convinced because like people in the church that are like, stop being gay. Like, don't be gay anymore, be straight. So then you have this like false, like idea of like, oh, I can, I can chase straightness rather than like chasing the love of the father and allowing him to take those desires from you. Because like, when you get to the heart of Jesus, that was my, my like moment where the Lord gave me that revelation is I began to like, I fell in love with Jesus in a way that I didn't want anything else besides him. And I only want is like what he wanted for me. And I think the biggest thing that tried to keep me bound, like tried to disqualify me was like, I have like, like raw and real. I slept with a bunch of guys. Like that was, I had never been with a girl before. I had always like, been super promiscuous with guys and i just kind of thought like what girl is ever gonna want 
her husband to have a past like that. Like what girl is going to want me? And honestly, that's another reason I've, I've talked to a couple of people that have came and told me that like they feel that way. So they stay like just, they minister and they preach and, and like every once in a while they'll just like get on grinder or they'll get on Tinder and like go hook up with a couple of guys real quick and then like repent and then like live for a few months and then like, like go and suppress the desires and then and do it again. And then it's like, Oh, this sin cycle, because they like, they tell themselves like, you're, you're not good enough. Like you're not ever going to be good enough. Like, Oh, no woman is ever going to want you or no man is ever going to want you, you know? And, and that's another thing I, I talk about in my book. Like, I feel like sometimes like even with my wife, like people, I've, I've heard people like discredit like her struggles and the things that she went through and her homosexual like lifestyle because they're like, Oh, it's just, it was just like a phase. Like girls go through those phases. Like, it's okay. Like we're all like that in college or like, you know, whatever like that. And, um, and it takes away like literally the power of Jesus. It takes away the freedom. Like literally, like I'm like, you guys are literally discrediting what God did in her life. Yeah. And she was kind of in the same space. Like, I mean, she knew she was going to hell. Like she was kind of okay with it. Um, and she, you know, told her mom, like, I, I know I'm going to go to hell. Like, and it's whatever, you know, I, I like who I like and that's how it's going to be. Um, but there are so many people that get validated within the church and people are like, oh, I identify as this. And so, so many Christians feel like if they don't like, use their pronouns or, you know, like I did help them identify, like, you know, use the right words and, and all that kind of stuff. And they feel like they're disrespecting them and we'll never, we'll never reach them and we'll never, you know, actually get them saved. So we have to like, if he wants to be a her, we're going to call her, her, and we're going to like call her that. And, and we'll, we'll use her name that she wants to be used and all this kind of stuff. Um, and I believe that's why a lot of Christians are like gay Christians because their pastors, their leaders, their parents, they're so like scared of losing them. And they're so scared mm. of a thing. They want to like walk on ice all the time that they are partnering with these demonic identities that wow. were never based on them. And the moment that you validate that, then you literally have created a whole new layer of bondage in their mind, especially when it comes from pastors, especially when it comes from the church, because now you have this group of people that are Christian that like validate them. But then when the truth is preached, then we are just like religious, legalistic, um, like crazy Christians that, you know, don't fully understand the love of Jesus. And that that's honestly what keeps people bound. And I'm I'm so thankful that I was in a ministry at the time that like, wasn't going to, they didn't like just pound on on the homosexual, like whole subject very often, but they did speak about it and they were really open about it. And they were like very clear about it. And it wasn't until like, I found leaders and I was open about it. And I was like, I struggle with this and I need help. Like I want help that I started to see that change because it was after that moment when I decided to give everything up and I was like, if I hate it, God, I'm going to go back. That I started being open about it. I started letting people know that I struggled with homosexuality, that I needed help. I had an amazing leader, amazing mentor. It helped me and pushed me and um, challenged me 
Um, he ended up doing a marriage counseling and he ended up marrying me and my wife. Um, but literally like it was, it was a process and it wasn't until again, that I fell in love with Jesus and I, I let go of this pressure of chasing heterosexuality. Mm. I found the real freedom. Um, now tons of people like twist that and they're like, oh, so you just suppressed yourself until you like, didn't feel that way anymore. No. Um, and then people, well, I was born this way. Like you said, like, like good thing you had to be born again. Like, you know, um, but people are validated. They do like run across people and Christians that like validate them They use their pronouns. And they're like, Oh, we have like a couple of gay people and they love it here. And you know, all this kind of stuff. And they just don't touch on it because they don't want to offend them. They don't want to lose them. Um, and they, and they're honestly making the wrong decision. Um, there's people there's a way to push people and show people that although you can't be gay christian there's freedom there's a way to be delivered there's um and everybody's story is different everybody's freedom story is different i've heard tons of different stories from different people but the biggest thing is is people like you know they they discredit my story or whatever but i'm like you got like this was literally my life like i lived it like there's yeah. no discredit my story because it's just like your testimony I, I although like my mom pushed me i i willingly went to the ramp i willingly went to ministry school and i willingly decided to let go of everything until i decided i didn't want to anymore and i had that conversation i made that decision i i didn't go through um any kind of like gender therapy or, or brainwashing the church didn't like convince me one way or the other, because I was there to prove you can be gay and Christian. And I had plenty of of meetings with the leaders and and they would point out different things. And I would get really bitter and offended because I was like, you guys can't like, like, this is just who I am. This is my personality. Like, this is the way I dress and you can't say anything. And ultimately like, again, it was that moment that, the Lord was like, it's not about being gay to straight. It's about being broken to whole. And when wow. you fall in love with Jesus and you start pursuing wholeness and his, in his presence, that's when you gain that freedom. That's so good. So you were there to prove I'm going to be a Christian and gay. And then all of a sudden God comes, heals you, sets you free, transforms you. And I love what you said. It wasn't like chasing going from lusting after men to lusting after women it was going from being broken to being whole like god gives you a new nature and that's where you talk about in your book i won't spoil it because his book's down below linked um it's uh from mascara to manhood i'm probably butchering it but the the title's down below is you know your identity your our identity is no longer found in the lgbtq or i'm a homosexual or i'm a drug addict or and for some of us our identity is found in our sin I'm Isaiah, I'm the liar, the party guy. Like, this is my identity, who I am. But then when you come to Christ, the beauty is this, and everybody needs to hear this, you get a new identity. Like, you get a new ID card, and your ID card says, Son of God, you are chosen by God, and you are now the person God has created you to be. Talk to, let's talk a little bit about 
the the drag queen agenda going on right now in the world what is what is this okay because you you were a drag queen for a short time and you live that life why is it and i'm asking you this personally that nickelodeon disney um the school districts new york just spent two hundred thousand dollars to bring drag queens in to teach elementary school it's always these drag queens teaching children in the libraries what do you think this whole agenda is obviously we know it's demonic but what is this agenda of drag queens coming in and teaching children and going after children what do you what do you, what do you make of all this what's the agenda and what's their end goal i think ultimately like the drag community is in general like i mean every drag queen that i've ever personally like met and and like performed with or whatever um they all had something super in common they weren't okay with who they were they didn't like who they originally were and it wasn't like they wanted to make the transition and be transgender or anything like that they were just looking for a moment to step away and be this other person um and that's how it all started um but i think like the overall agenda is it's it's not I feel like the LGBTQ community honestly feels like it's not as blatant. I feel like, you know, it's just like, it's you still guys, like they're just dressed up and they're just in costumes and they're, you know, they're just like teaching your kids to be creative and find them, like find themselves and express themselves rather than making it originally about like this straight gay, just like deception of like, you have to like guys, you have to like girls, like kind of like, it, it it's not as I feel like they, it was started this way because it's not as blatant and it's really, I've seen tons of times where it's just like shown as a way of like expressing yourself and they can relate it to creativity and they can like relate it to art and they can relate it and so it's like this easy thing to get into the schools to get into um television again like Nickelodeon I remember I have a niece and a nephew and um, they were a little like, younger than they are now. And me and my wife were babysitting them and we were watching uh, bubble guppies and, and me. And again, like this, it, this was before like any other, this was just Nickelodeon at the time. Disney had not hopped on board yet. Like it was just Nickelodeon really pushing this. I think it was about two years ago, um, but it was during pride month and they in the middle of a bubble guppy show they like had a commercial break and the only commercial they showed because it was a long commercial was this like commercial of about like eight to ten different kids like telling people like how they identified and they were like eight nine ten um and, and they were saying like i identify as a lesbian i identify as a girl i identify as gay like and, and they were saying these things and then they would ask children um, like, why can't, like, why do you think, you know, people hate so much? Like, do you hate these people? Like, they would show them pictures of drag queens. They would show them pictures of, of family members who were gay and different things like that. And they're like, do you hate them? Because they, they you know, your uncle likes another boy. And he's like, no, like, I love him. And, and I remember, like, seeing this. And, like, my mind was blown that in the middle of a preschool TV show, they were already like trying to manipulate kids into manipulating parents, manipulating adults. Like the, the, the thing is, is if they can get, 
And I've heard tons of people like they're like the, the video that you had posted about the, the drag queens and, and the, the children. Um, they said like, this is not about like indoctrinating your kids. It's not about like all this stuff. But the reality is, it's like you, they are trying to introduce it so young. So yeah. that way, regardless of what the older generation says, by the time that the older generation dies off, everybody will be okay with it. Mm. And really, and the thing is too, is parents are now, I, I feel like this is a huge thing. There are more parents that are friends with their kids instead of being parents to the kids. Preach. And so when their kids start beginning to accept this community and then they feel this way and, and they get confused because I, 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 I've talked to a few parents even that like their kids thought they struggled with homosexuality and it was because this, uh, this other person who does struggle with homosexuality was like, I think you are gay. Like you, I, like you would be really good as a gay person. And that was one thing that people told me, like, I actually had a girlfriend one time, like literally tell me that like, I would be so much better as a gay best friend than her boyfriend. Wow. And like literally people would just tell me this from a young age, like you'd be so good as a gay guy. Like you should just be gay. Like you should be gay. And I remember like I had a crush on a like early 2000s pop artist um, when I was in elementary school and like a couple of the girls found out and like they all like told everybody and then laughed about it. And like the moment like I shut down, everybody was like, no, it's okay. Like you can like them. Like it's okay. Like, you know, like this kind of thing. And, and it was just kids trying to like make me not cry and be okay. Cause I was like seven, but the thing was, is like, that's the agenda. Like if they can get into your kids' heads, then they control everything because eventually wow. the generations that become president, that become our lawyers and our teachers and our doctors and all of these different things. And I've honestly seen, I've seen these kind of things like, like I feel like a crazy person, but I grew up like, of course I was, I had, I have older parents, they're 65 now. So I kind of grew up with parents that were basically like the age of grandparents. People like mistake them for my grandparents all the time. But I grew up watching a lot of old television shows, like things that came out in the sixties and seventies, because that was what my parents watched and they loved watching black and white TV and that kind of thing. So I grew up watching these shows, but as an adult, like I go back and watch them and people are like so freaked out because you know, Disney and Nickelodeon, all these people are hopping on board. But like the TV network stations have been like throwing this into our society for years. Like it didn't just happen. Um, I think like it was adventured in the 60s and 70s to see like what the best route was from different like famous TV shows. Um, and there's different like strong male and female um, TV stars that that were really birthed in the 60s and 70s in their career and they began to stand up for like LGBTQ rights and all these different things so it began really like being pushed into the media around that time and then when the 80s hit it really like hit a turn because that was when like honestly the biggest movement of the LGBT had been seen at that point um and so I think people don't understand that this has been going on for years, guys. Like this has literally been going on for years. And now they've seen, they've put all these like seeds in people's heads and they realize it hasn't really worked. 
even though they've been doing it for years. So now they're like, okay, well, if we can get them at a young age, then it won't, it won't be as taboo when they get older, they'll be used to it. So it won't be this like indoctrination anymore. It'll just be normality. And people will be okay with expressing themselves and being creative and, and showing people who they really are because it's normal. Wow. Yeah, I think there's been a normalization of um, the whole movement, right? And and the fact is like that they're pushing it on children. There's a, there's definitely an agenda going on behind it. Why why is it always at children? Why is it always you know the small the Disney? Why is it the kindergartens? Why is it the bringing children's to strip clubs? I mean, it's so crazy uh, how they're doing this. But like you said, they're reaching the next generation now. A lot of people. They protest, I've seen this on TikTok, they say, the Bible never speaks about homosexuality. The Bible never says you can't be homosexual. That's not in the Bible. I heard that this week in a big debate. It's not It's not in the Bible. I wanna read a couple of verses here just to make it very clear where the Bible stands on the issue of homosexuality. Romans one twenty two. It says, so God abandoned them. I'm sorry, Romans 1, 24. So God abandoned them to do whatever their hearts desired, shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's body. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things that God created instead of the creator himself, who's worthy of eternal praise. That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and indulge in sex with each other. And the men, instead of having normal relations with women, they burned for lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men and as a result of the sin they suffer the penalty they deserved and this is what verse 28 says since they thought it foolish to acknowledge god god abandoned them guys listen to what it says here god abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done their lives became full and it's talking about the people that gave into homosexuality their lives became full of every kind of wickedness sin greed hate envy murder quarreling deception malicious behavior and gossip they are backstabbers haters of god insolent proud and boastful they invent new ways of sinning and they disobey their parents they refuse to understand they break their promises they're heartless they have no mercy they know god's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die yet they do them anyway worse yet they encourage others to do them too and here's what i want to show you guys the point of it is this when you start opening doors to these lifestyles of yeah. whether it's homosexuality whether it's transgender whether it's um fornication whether it's alcohol all these other sins follow which is why there's a huge suicide rate in this community but also here's what he says he says not only do they know it's wrong and do them they encourage others to do them too so there's an encouraging of we're going to be this way and we want everybody else to be this way and then here's the thing blake they say if you're not if you don't agree with us you're the bad person you're the bigot you're the hater if you don't agree with our lifestyle and then if you look at first corinthians um 6 9 through 11 it says didn't you realize those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of god and i want everyone to listen closely what paul says don't fool yourselves those who indulge in sexual sin now some of you listen real quick have been shouting this whole time yes it's wrong to be a homosexual but i want you to pay attention because now paul's going to talk about a bunch of us in the chat those who indulge in sexual sin those who worship idols those who commit adultery, male prostitutes, or yeah. practice homosexuality, or thieves, or greedy people, or drunkards, or abusive, or cheat people, none of these, Paul says, will inherit the kingdom of God. And then, oh man, I love what he says next. Here's what he says. Some of you were once like that. So Paul's writing to the church. He's saying, if you're greedy, if you're a drunkard, if you're abusive, if you worship idols, if you're homosexual, if you're a male prostitute, if you commit adultery. But he says this, he's talking to the church and he says, some of you were once like that, 
But here's the change. You were cleansed. You were yeah. made holy. You uh -huh. were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So Paul says there's many of us that were like this. We were drunkards and homosexuals. He said, but, but here's the thing. You were cleansed. You were made holy and you were made right with God. And here's how you were made right by calling on the Lord Jesus Christ by the spirit of our God. This is the beauty of what we're telling you guys tonight. Many of us were like this. We were drunkards, greedy, whether you're homosexual, you're drunkard, you're greedy, doesn't matter. He goes, but you were like that, but now you were cleansed and you were made holy. I really believe this tonight. God wants to cleanse those in this broadcast, those watching on the replay, those while you were talking this whole testimony, Blake, there were people saying, I'm living this right now. I'm struggling right now. I'm going through this right now. Guys, tonight there is freedom. There is grace. There is redemption. If you're in this lifestyle, maybe you're not, maybe you're not like, I'm not even in that, but maybe you're an idol worshiper. Maybe you're in sexual sin. Maybe you're committing adultery. Maybe you're a male prostitute. Maybe you're a thief. Maybe you're greedy. Maybe you're a drunkard. Maybe you're abusive. Maybe you cheat people. And Paul says, don't just think it's the homosexuals. None of these will inherit the kingdom of God. And that you can take that to the bank, but here's what you could also take to the bank. You were cleansed and made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. Doesn't end in, it doesn't end in judgment. It doesn't end in you are not going to inherit the kingdom. It ends in you were like that, but then God cleansed you. And if God can do it to Isaiah Saldivar, I shared my testimony last night, I was an atheist. If God can do it to Blake Howard, take him from being a drag queen to married now with a child, a pastor, a youth pastor in Texas, then I'm telling you right now, God can do it to you. So we want to pray with you guys right now. If that's you in the chat, I know we've been live for about an hour and a half. I really feel the power of God. I really know God wants to do this. Many of you, God wants you to be born again. There's no other way. The Bible says we have to repent. God requires all men everywhere now to repent. So there's no getting around it. You must repent. You must repent of your sin. You must turn to God, call on the Lord Jesus for salvation. And I also believe tonight God wants to deliver some of you from that spirit of perversion, that spirit of lust, that spirit of homosexuality, whatever it is, confusion you're going through, there is real deliverance. And when guys, when I say deliverance, I'm talking about an unclean spirit coming out of you by the power of God. I'm talking about what Jesus did in the gospels, what they did in Acts chapter eight, they cast out demons, demons scream out of the people. And the next verse says there was great joy in that city. So father, we thank you right now, Lord, for what you're doing in this broadcast. We thank you, Lord, that there's 4,000 people on here that are hungry for you, that are desperate for you, that need you. And I pray, Lord, whether they're, they're lusters, whether they're fornicators, whether they're homosexual, whether they're greedy, whether they're abusive, whether they cheat people, that God, you are calling us out of that lifestyle. I'm telling you guys, God is calling you out of that lifestyle into a new lifestyle of holiness. Father, I pray right now that many in this broadcast on the replay would be born again. Many of you say, well, Isaiah, I was born gay. I was born this. I was born by, but God says you won't be born again that way. You're going to be born again, a son and daughter of the most high God. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would renew minds right now. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would transform bodies right now. We pray, Lord, that you would change desires. Father, you took my lustful desires and you gave me holy desires. And I pray, Lord, that you would take same-sex desires right now and you'd give them wholesome desires. That as Blake said, you would take the brokenness and you would make them whole right now in Jesus' name. And for those of you that are bound, that need deliverance, I command right now, 
every unclean spirit to come out right now in Jesus' name. Every foul spirit, you must go now in Jesus' name. Every spirit of homosexuality, every spirit of fornication, every spirit of perversion, every spirit of pornography, every Jezebel spirit, every spirit of lust, we command you now, come out in Jesus' name. You are bound. You must go to the abyss, the bottomless pit. Go now out of their mouth into the abyss in Jesus' name. The Lord rebukes you, Satan. You have no power. You have no place. There is freedom in Jesus' name. There is deliverance in Jesus' name. There is power in Jesus' name. And I see some of you that are living that lifestyle. God says you will be married. You will have children. You will have a family. You will be blessed and prosper. You will have wholeness and healing. Depression must must go suicide must go anger must go envy must go every foul spirit connected to perversion connected to confusion connected to satan's kingdom we command you up and out now in jesus name that there is real freedom right now in jesus name be free now Many watching say, I'm not even dealing with that homosexual lifestyle. But guess what? God says, I'm going to free you from fornication. I'm going to free you from pornography, alcohol addiction. We just command the spirit of addiction to come out now in Jesus' name. Drug addiction. We break that power now in Jesus' name. We pray, Lord, that you would baptize them in the Holy Spirit and fire. We pray the power of God to be released right now in Jesus' name. Those that are hurting, you feel alone. God says, I'll be your father. Those that were abused, God says, I will heal the trauma. I will heal the abuse and I will restore you right now. I'll restore your purity. I'll restore your sexuality. I'll renew you. I'll wash you. I'll cleanse you. There is cleansing blood in Jesus name. There is cleansing blood to come out of this lifestyle, to come in the new lifestyle. Whether you're coming out of a lifestyle of lying, you're coming out of a lifestyle of cheating, you're coming out of a lifestyle of adultery, fornication, or idolatry, or homosexuality. There's a lifestyle of holiness, of walking the narrow road. Father, we pray right now those watching maybe you're currently a drag queen but god says he's going to renew you god says he's going to deliver you god says that you're loved god says that you're blessed and that he has a, a purpose for you he has a plan for you that his plan is not for you to be a drag queen his plan is not for you to live a, a homosexual lifestyle his plan is a future is a hope is joy is peace is power is breakthrough is purpose i pray lord that you would anoint them right now i even pray lord the fear of god i wish you know blake i look back and say i wish somebody told me I was going to hell. I really do. As an atheist, I wish somebody said you're going to hell. And I want to tell someone tonight, if you think you can live these lifestyle that Paul talked about and go to heaven, you've been deceived. All of these lifestyles that we're talking about tonight, you will end up in a place separated from God in hell. And God is saying tonight, there's real hell, there's real fear, but there's also real power. Jesus said, I came to seek and save those that are lost. He said, I didn't come to condemn the world, but through that I might save the world. So God wants to save you. He doesn't want to condemn you to hell. God doesn't want you to go to hell. He wants to save you tonight and rescue you from a real place of eternal torment. So Father, right now, I pray the fear of the Lord over them. If you think, oh, I could just live a homosexual lifestyle and still be a Christian, that's deception. That's a lie. The devil wants you to think that, so you go to hell. If you think I can keep fornicating with my girlfriend and go to heaven, the devil wants you to think that, so you go to hell. If you think you can be continuing to be a drunk and a drug addict and go to heaven, the devil wants you to think that. Deception's breaking tonight in Jesus' name. It's breaking tonight in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. I don't know, Blake, if there's anything that God's given you to pray or anything on your heart. Thank um, you, Lord. Into mind, <clears throat> just kind of even going further because I, I've come across this and I feel like maybe there's someone watching that's maybe combative with, um, I've, I've had a lot of people come to me and be like, you know what, well, the, the Bible's been translated hundreds of times and 
Um, homosexuality is, is it's, it wasn't originally, like, it's not a Hebrew word. You can't find it. Blah, 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 blah. Um, and, and right now, honestly, I was, I was trying to remember, I was asking the Lord to bring it back to my remembrance, but the Hebrew word that was replaced with homosexuality actually means, the meaning of that word is um, for a man to, to pierce another man. Wow. Like that's the Hebrew word. That's the the text. That that that's it. And and I feel like there might be someone, um, even co- like having that, that that combative spirit of just like, well, you know, it's it's been translated hundreds of times, this that, and the other. Um, and even with that too, the Bible. If you can tell me one scripture that is in the Bible that says being gay is okay, you should be gay, you should accept for who you are, Come on. and then I'll, I'll, I'll listen. But the reality is you can't find it. Mm. But I'll tell you that you can find six scriptures in the satanic Bible that literally says homosexuality, homosexuality is okay. And for me to, to, to know that there's six scriptures in the satanic Bible that says, yes, do it. And there's not one Come in on. Bible that says, do it. Then that automatically tells me that it is a manipulative, lustful plan of the enemy that is trying to come and, and like you said, it is trying to pervert that lust. That's all homosexuality is, is perverted lust. It's that spirit of Jezebel that is holding on to somebody. And, and, and I know you already went there, but I, I again, I, I feel heavy on that. In the name of Jesus, that spirit yes. of Jezebel have to go fully in the name of Jesus that has to leave that control, the manipulation, the, the, the rumors and all those things that you get so wrapped up in that all has to go because that is a part of that. That literally, I believe that that Roman, the scripture in Romans, the whole like paragraph from like, I, I believe it starts in like 20 verse 24 all the way down. Like if you read it, that's literally what gay pride is. Mm. People that are roaming the streets, that are that are are lost in their identity. They've traded all of their their natural things from unnatural things. They're hating each other. They're tearing each other apart. Because it's it's funny that this place, this this community, is full of love and acceptance. But the moment you say you don't want it anymore, you don't say I hate you. You just say I don't want this life anymore. They immediately turn yep. their backs. And so if there's anybody that is struggling with that, that is dealing with that, I just declare in the name of Jesus that there is freedom in that. That that spirit of Jezebel cannot hold anymore. You have to come all the way out. And I declare that the, the, the lie of the enemy is broken. That I declare that hatred, that frustration, and all the, the tormenting thoughts they have to go. I thought there's someone watching that has had sleepless, restless nights, that you are struggling with your identity so much that you just cry to the Lord. I feel like there's just been tears after tears after tears that you've cried and, and you've just broken down. And God, well, why won't you take this from me? Why, what's, why, what's wrong with me? Why won't you have this? And, and it's literally the Lord's like, I'm right here. I'm right here. And I'm ready to take this from you. Come on. So I don't know who that's for, but I feel that. It, and like I said, like there's, there's literally scriptures in the satanic Bible about it. Like you can't deny that. You can't tell me you can be a gay Christian. And there's things that are promoting your lifestyle that are in the satanic Bible. That literally it is the enemy. It is everything that goes against God. There's nothing that, that God is, that is that. And it is, it is so, it is so crucial that people understand that, that it is truly a demonic 
plan of the enemy that has gotten and, and, and has been pressed on you, has been placed on you, that his doors have been open. And, and I just declare the healing and the bitterness, the healing and the bitterness. There's healing for that bitterness that Thank I feel you, like Lord. in their hearts for the people that molested you, that that's what's keeping you bound. That's what's keeping this, that ugly spirit. That's what's giving it legal right is the bitterness in your heart for those people that molested you, that took advantage of you, those family members, even specifically, I feel like someone's uncle or someone's close family member, a family friend, they, they, they told you it was just a game. They came for you and, and you've never released it because you were scared of what was going to happen. But the Lord has freedom for you right now. And I just, I just, I just say that you just release that to the Lord. Just confess that to the Lord. Speak it because you've never actually said it out loud. You've always kept it inside. And I just, I hear that right now. Lord, I forgive that person for taking advantage of me, of taking that, that away from me, from taking my innocence, from exposing, exposing that to me. And I believe there's freedom in that, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So much healing going on tonight, guys. So much breakthrough, so much exposing of the enemy. We may have to do a part two in the future of this. I really believe God is exposing, God is healing, and God is bringing people out. We we are on a rescue mission, guys, to seek and save those that are lost. We are those that reconcile people back to God. So whether it's the LGBTQ community, whether it's a drug community, we don't care. Gangs, we don't care. Cartels, we want to go and rescue those out of spiritual darkness and bring them into the light god says i've given you the ministry of reconciliation and the bible says god pleads through us to call people back to himself so god speaks through us to plead to call people back to god so blake what an incredible testimony guys you can get his book down below um tell us a little bit about the the book quickly and then where else they can find you i don't know if you use social media much or or what else that you'd like to say there before we end here um definitely i um, click the link for um, from Mascara to Manhood. It is um, about my spiritual journey. It's about, um, you know, just like the practicals of coming out of the, the lifestyle and all of the, the kind of struggles. And it goes in a lot more depth of, of the up and down, the not really knowing God and then knowing God and all those kind of things. Um, I, I wrote a chapter about my wife and, and how that came to be. And um, so, so definitely check that out. It, I, I didn't, I didn't do anything. I didn't let, I didn't pull back. I, I didn't leave um, any details out because I, I, the reality is, is like the church and, and the people need to hear the raw um, yeah. story. There's, there's so many things that people try to like, they try to make it ministry and they try to like make it clean. And the reality is, is there's nothing about your life that was ever clean. It was always messy. It was, it, it was always something. And, and people are looking for that messy, real raw testimony to see real freedom. So um, good. I am and hopefully in the future, I am planning on writing a second book. Um, the Lord kind of gave me a title of, of when God dethrones the queen and, um, and really just, the, the process of, of what that looks like in a, in a deeper, a, a deeper sense um, and just going through the, the subject of pride and, and the subject of humility and the, sub, the subject of submission. Um, so I'm praying on that. It's, it's a constant, like I'm constantly writing things down for that. Um, you guys can find me on social media. I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook. Um, you can look me up and Benjamin Blake Howard and you should be able to find me. Um, go follow me. Um, 
all right, you can go follow the church as well, Extreme Harvest Church. Um, it, it, you're you're going to see my testimony on there. You know, there's not anything that I, I hide. There's not because honestly, um, true freedom comes through truth. Um, so that authentic, real person, and and not allowing like the the pretty ministry to to hold me back is not something that i can ever be a part of so so good check it out guys blake thank you so much for being on tonight man i really appreciate you and i'm gonna once i'm done with this i'm gonna reach out to you thanks again bro for being on we honor you man thank you all right all right god bless you thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the revival lifestyle podcast if you like what you heard go to www.isaiahsaldivar.com for more content and please follow me on facebook youtube and instagram at isaiah saldivar see you next week